0: SegaBits presents SegaTalk, a podcast talking all things Sega. With your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what? Say, say, again, again,
1: Hello, and welcome to SegaTalk Podcast. I'm George, and with me, like always, is my, I mean, Mary. I was going to say you're a dragon, but then I have to ride you, and then yeah. that's,
0: what a weird intro. <laughs> I, I was going to, like, quote the game and say something, but I, I, I can't remember any lines from this except for, like, oh, should I start a fire and, and have a little camp out?
1: Uh, there's that, the will I, of uh, the will yeah. of the ancients or whatever. That's, like, pretty iconic. Nah, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I can't do that.
1: Yeah. I but refuse. Um, I refuse. I mean, let's spoil it. I mean, we're talking about Panzer Dragoon Saga. You saw it when you clicked on the video or podcast, and this is probably the biggest cult classic game released on the Sega Saturn, which kind of says a lot because the Sega Saturn is literally a cult classic console filled with cult classic games. Uh, Panzer yes. Dragoon was kind of, kind of like Sonic Adventure Two, but for the Saturn, but totally opposite. Instead of selling millions of copies, like it should have. <laughs> It actually got very small, limited release, and it came out in the end of the Sega Saturn's lifespan in 1998. And it garnered a fan base dedicated to it even today. Are you surprised about that, that whole fan base still keeping up with this one?
0: I, I am, and I also question how many of them actually played it and own it. Ooh. I feel like it's kind of a, a Shenmue situation where a lot of people just like jump on the hype train, yeah. but they haven't actually played it. They've watched maybe playthroughs or they heard of how like,
1: like a streamer. how beloved
0: it is, right? You know. But the difference is Shenmue you can get pretty easily, but Panzer Dragoon Saga Mm-mm. you can't get, and that's why I question how many people have actually played it. Um, you know me... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of fake fans out there. You know me... I'll say it. I,
1: I'm watching all the streamers play it, so I'm kind of an expert at the game. <laughs> no. Nah. I do own the game. I mean, it's one of those games that you have to buy back then because even back in the day, it was a whopping over $100. I remember people going, they won $150 for that game when a long time ago, you know? Like maybe eight years right. after it released. And people were like, that's right. double the msrp price nobody should pay that much and now here we are uh, over a thousand which we'll talk about in the end of the episode but this episode was actually picked by tyler who has picked other episodes he picked the mad world episode last time and this time he picked panda dragon saga and if you want your game read your game at home like a game that we hate like i don't know I'm just going to say Sonic 3. I don't really like it. But if you want to pay for me to talk about Sonic 3, one of my favorite games. 3. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to say something. Um, columns. Yeah. I don't want to talk about columns. What well, can you talk about columns? But if you pay $20, you get an hour podcast talking about columns, the columns guy, everything that columns is about.
0: Since, since when did we promise an hour? They'd get maybe 20 minutes columns.
1: 20 minutes for columns. columns, yeah. Of course. Yeah. If it was a real puzzle yeah. game, um, then maybe we'll be talking <clears> – <throat> sorry – Um, You want to read uh, And if you pick the episode Your memories are in the front of the episode Before our memories Which we already kind of talked a little bit about But uh, you want to read some of Tyler's memories
0: I will read all of Tyler's memories I won't miss a word He says My memories don't stem very far back As I got a Sega Saturn for the first time Just last year Wow But what I can tell you is that for years and years I felt like Sega was something I'd... Oh, Saga. This always messes me up. Saga was something I'd never play. So I'm forever grateful that for as awful as 2020 was, A Bright Spot was certainly enjoying what I believe to be Sega's greatest game. It's an achievement on many levels and deserves so much more than the accolades it has received. Its story is captivating, its visuals stunning and the combat is in a league of its own. It's a game I hope everyone in their lifetime has the opportunity to play.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty like big words, you know, because I feel like *Panzer Dragoon <laughs> Saga has gotten, like, critically, it's like the critics' favorite game, you know? Like, there's some artists like that, right? Like, I guess, uh, what was his name? Um, Mad Villain or whatever, uh, the the rapper that died not that long ago, uh, MF Doom. Mm. He, he was mm-hmm. one of those guys that was like popular. People always talked about him, but his album sales were pretty low. I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of the equivalent of *Panzer Dragoon*. Everyone that's a critic loves this game. Uh, normal people praise it because everyone praises it that, with authority. But how many, right. you know, how many people are going to play it? But what's you, right? What's your history with *Panzer Dragoon Saga*, Barry? And like as a Sega fan, I know I know when you played it because we talked about it in the past, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go ahead and tell them. It's actually an interesting story how you got to play it.
0: Uh, Yeah, so, well, first off, like, it it actually goes a little ways back. So when I was in high school, I think I've mentioned an episode or two ago, I had a friend who was super into Sega, um, and he kind of turned me on to importing. He turned me on to a lot of, like, more obscure Japanese games. And so I I, I believe at the time I was like, I really want to get a used, like, buy a Saturn used, because this was, like, late 90s. And he suggested games I should get. And I remember him mentioning Panzer Dragoon Saga, but he was like, you're not going to be able to get it, though. It's too expensive. It's like $150, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. at that time. Um, But I did end up getting, and I'm glad I did, um, Burning Rangers. I bought that from, I believe, Sega Parts, which was an official Sega of America uh, uh, website that sold arcade and console replacement parts and, like, uh, controllers, and they would sell the occasional game. And they had Burning Rangers brand new for, I think, like, 50 bucks mm-hmm. or 60 bucks. Um, and I bought it, and my copy is, like, pristine mint, and I'm so glad I got that, and that was thanks to a recommendation uh, from my friend. But, yeah, I, I just... I knew of Panzer Dragoon Saga through him. I also was confused for a while. I thought it was called Panzer Dragoon Saga... Which is why I kind of made that flub when I yeah. was reading Tyler's Memories. And I always thought, that's really weird. But I remember also hearing people called Sega Sonic. Yeah. You know, like Sonic, Sega Sonic. So I was like, oh, okay. So I guess that was like a thing in the 90s. Panzer Dragoon, Sega, Sega Sonic. I guess they just wanted to get their name out there. But I finally learned it was Saga. And then I got even more confused when I would hear about uh, Azel or Azel. Yeah. And I was like, is that a... A different game, and I didn't realize it was the same game. And I actually do own that one. I have it here in my hand, uh, the Japanese import, mm. and it's a beautiful little case. Uh, it reminds me of Shenmue with the. It's actually like the same case that Shenmue would come in, and just like beautiful, beautiful artwork. Like you don't see that on the American release. So, no. When it comes to the American release, we had. Um, some guys in the early SegaBits days who would like pass around games to other people um, through the mail. So it would be like, oh, you want to play this rare game or you want to play this hard-to-find game and write an article on it? Okay, I'll mail it to you. And so we had that going on, and I had Panzer Dragoon Saga pass by my way, and I played it for... Like, I was given it for a month, and I maybe only played it a handful of times, unfortunately. It was that sort of thing where it's like, at the beginning of the month, I'm like, alright, let's, let's get through this, let's finish it, and then I got busy, and I got to the point where I'm like, I'm sending it to the next guy in the chain, I'm not gonna have much time with it, so what's the point, you know, mm-hmm. in like cramming Panzer Dragoon Saga? I kind of regret it now, cause I sent it off, and who knows what, but, It was, it was, um, I mean, it was bittersweet, but I did eventually, uh, play the game like burned. Mm, Yeah. And it, and it's great. And so I made like a little repro case and it works. I, I don't remember how I got it to work. Um, maybe you can fill me in on the specifics of that because I have a American Saturn and a Japanese Saturn and I have a. Like a boot disk. I I got oh, it to work. Somehow, you
1: got the old but... school way. You know, like, you know, those little memory cards you have? The, um, mm-hmm. you could, you know, those five in one cards. They hack those now, and you could put those in or hack the, mm-hmm. you know, the four in one cards, and then every time you put it in, yeah. it just boots up, uh, uh, bootable mm. CDs, you know? Uh, I, I, Nice. I'm, like...
0: What's your history?
1: Well, I mean, my history was that, like, this was always one of those games that friends... Because, you know, we used to read magazines. And like I said, this is, like, the critics' favorite game of all time. So, EGM right. were, like, making this being, like, the biggest release of all time. Um, and a lot of the people I used to hang out with at this time were really into JRPGs. I'm talking about, like, Final Fantasy. Like, every little game that came out, they would have something to talk about. Romance, Saga, anything... Anything, like even the the smallest games. So they were all into it. And it was a game I never thought I would play until way later, you know, when I um, finally, be, you know, paid $150, which now seems like a bargain, bargain. But anyway, right. right. my history with the game, though, is like it's one of those games that did everything right about JRPGs. Everything I didn't like about JRPGs, they fi- fixed it. It had more real time combat. It was something why I like about Grandia because like they had that little bar on the bottom in two that it you knew when your your turn was and it felt more fast paced they kind of did something like mm-hmm. that here with the real-time combat engages uh the art is incredible the music's incredible um i think the story is a little more um, like a movie in a way like it's more condensed it's not like when you play final fantasy 7 where they're like how are we going to fill 45 hours? All right, we got to <laughs> go to this casino and you got to go hang out and dress like a girl. No, none of that. It's just, it's pretty much like what they wanted. And they, you can tell they cut a lot, you know? So it's like all the fat. So you, it's it's good. It's good. Um, but So let's talk about some of the development of uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga. The development, according to Tima Duramada, who was the team behind this, the, the game, Started the day mm-hmm. after they ship Panzer Dragoon in nineteen ninety five. Uh, you can catch us talking more about uh, Panzer Dragoon, the first game, in Sega Talk episode number five. Yes, that long ago. Wow. Uh, the Panzer Dragoon was obviously a Sega Saturn launch title, according to uh, to them they uh, created uh, they created two teams within the company, one to make Z- Zoe or Zia, was Z- Zoe right? Zui 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 it's a german word and the rpg rp uh in an rpg group called azel which uh is the japanese title for the game really according to the developers mm-hmm. this didn't work out so great since both projects stalled thus <laughs> the developers had to focus and ship uh, the sequel to panzer dragoon in 96 and then the year after they released the uh after they released the original as you know right. In the West, the game is called Panzer Dragoon Saga, but in Japan, it's called Azel Panzer Dragoon RPG. Uh, Which name do Mm. you prefer?
0: I actually prefer Azel, just because it says what it is. It's an RPG, which is, I mean, you know, look, this is the third game in a trilogy, and all of a sudden, it jumps from rail shooter to four-disc RPG. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big leap. Um, now I know Team Andromeda, they they later had people working on Jet Set Radio, so they're not, uh, it wasn't new for them to kind of switch up a play style, like you went from Jet Set Radio to Jet Set Radio Future, mm-hmm. but this was a big jump. So with that in mind, you know, you could say if this was the Western name, Azel Panzer Dragoon RPG, then you could have people saying, well, I like Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon Zwai. And then a Panzer Dragoon Azel RPG or something like that. You know, like I just I like that naming convention because then that Azel just sounds nice with Zwei, and then the original. Um, I also should mention, since we are talking about Panzer Dragoon, just a really quick uh, PSA: If you bought the Switch version from Limited Run Games, check out the product page. It mentions that there was no manual included. And they were very crafty. They didn't email anyone. They just put it on the product page. So contact support. Ask them to mail the manual. Actually, right before we recorded, support emailed me and said they're sending my uh, replacement manual out. But that's for the classic edition with the Saturn art. Yeah, uh, I just to, thought I'd throw that out that. there. Cause I had
1: to do that. But uh,
0: That was crummy. <laughs> as uh, far yeah, as this
1: Saga and the Zell thing, I mm-hmm. have to agree with you a little bit. I mean... Okay, so I have nostalgia for Saga, right? Because I grew up with Saga, I'm an American. But the game really is about Azel, and in the end of the game, I'm not going to plot spoiler what happens, but it it has a direct tie to Orda, and Orda's name is the name of the next game. So the fact that Azel, yeah, so Azel's here, I, I mean, she really did feel like, I mean, and one thing about these games is about, it's about life and birth Usually in right. the end of the games, so I mean, yeah, we'll talk more about that. But
0: and I mean, and look at that logo too. I don't know if you can see it on the video, but Azel is front and center. It's Azel Panzer Dragoon RPG. Yeah. So it's almost like making its own franchise. You know, this game is not Panzer Dragoon Azel. It's Azel Panzer Dragoon RPG. So when you go with that logic, then Orta's really the third game in the Rail Shooting trilogy, yeah. which. Is pretty sweet that it's both a tie-in to Azel and it's the third game in the Rail Shooter. So yeah, I mean, all in all, it's a solid, I guess, quadrilogy we'd call it. Even though there's there's some quasi sequels out there like Crimson Dragon and shit. Yeah, but,
1: um, which I mean, we could talk a little bit about Crimson Dragon in the end, but for yeah. first. Panzer Dragoon Saga obviously took way longer than they expected it for it to come out, releasing in 1998, so it had three whole years of development, uh, which obviously wow. is not typical, especially for Sega at this time. For example, Nights into Dreams took six months for uh, Sonic Team to develop, and this is with Team Andromeda having two uh, 3D games under its belt. Um, in a USGamer.net 2019 interview with uh, cur- uh, series creator uh, Yukio Futusu Usagi, uh, he said that the first two Panzer Dragoon rail shooting games had a staff of, of about 15 people. Well, Panzer Dragoon Saga, well, here's what he said: Actually, on Saga, the team size for that was about 50 which was quite unusual at the time. Nowadays, there are, all, there are ways to manage a team that size with tickets. But back then, it was a bit more difficult to manage that many people. Um, wow. I even read more interviews with other people, and they said that when they worked on Panzer Dragoon 1 and 2, they knew everyone that worked there. They were friends, they went out to bars, they were like family. And then they would go and then mm-hmm. develop for Saga, and they'd be like, who are these people? Where do they work? What do they do? I don't know. So it was kind of strange. It was like, I guess, the first signs of Sega having massive teams, which would go on to uh, define define them with uh, Shimu later on in the Dreamcast era.
0: Um, yeah, and technically the Saturn era, yeah. you know.
1: While having 50 people employed during the duration of three years seems like a lot for the time, it was. But it seems that JRPGs were trending into having bigger teams, thanks to Square Enix, who... Had between 100 and 150 people working on Final Fantasy VII, uh, which at that point was the biggest studio ever to work on a game. Uh, mm-hmm. So Sega had one third of the people that made Final Fantasy VII. Quality wise, do you, how do you think these two games compare? I don't know if you played a lot of Final Fantasy VII.
0: I actually have played a fair bit of Seven. Um, you know, I was hearing all the hype behind it, so when I finally got a PlayStation Two, I went out and. Picked up the uh, like the All Stars release or whatever they called it, you know the budget yeah. release of Seven. Um, honestly, I, I kind of feel like it's a little even for me, just because I think both games have just beautiful, um, uh, just a beautiful feel to them, mm-hmm. like the music. The visuals, the sounds. The only other game that really compares is maybe Shenmue 1 and Snatcher. Yeah. Like, they just have such a... When you put them on, it's not like when you throw on any old video game and it's like a surface level feeling. Like, when you put those games on, there's a certain inner feeling. Yeah. It sounds really lame. But, like, like even just talking about Snatcher, for example, I get this, like, warm feeling in my stomach that I get just when the game's on because the music and the visuals and the gameplay and seven, it didn't resonate as strong with me as I think, um, saga did, but they both have a very special quality that makes them, I don't know. Like they may, I understand why they're so popular. I, I understand why people come back to games like Shenmue Snatcher, seven saga, like, there's a very small bucket of games that give you a really special feeling when you're playing them, and those games have it. So I'm not going to bash 7 at all. I, I think it's a fantastic game. It's just this is more my speed. I'm not a big turn-based RPG guy, Uh but Azel. I'm going to call it, <laughs> um, definitely scratches the itch. It's the type of RPG I like, which is also similar to, like, Skies of Arcadia. Yeah, That's my sort of speed.
1: Yeah, I would say I like Final Fantasy VII. I mean, I used to hate it. I used to be a super hater when I was a kid. Like, I'd be like, oh, you like Final Fantasy VII since it was so mainstream at the time? Like, everyone liked it. Right. Yeah. But um, looking back at it, it does have great – it did have a great battle system, Um It did have good music. I would say one thing that Panzer Dragoon had over it was obviously that he didn't extend the story just to fill in hours. It was one of those time eras where, Mm -hmm. like, oh, did you play this JRPG? It has four discs, and it's 87 million hours long, and you'll never beat it. You know, that was a selling point. Right. Um, I do like that they also uh, have 3D backgrounds, even though they didn't look that great on the Saturn, and the Saturn was a 2D powerhouse, so it would have made sense for them to, like, use 2d assets they didn't they went all 3d in this game something that final fantasy mm-hmm. 7 didn't do so i give them props for that for the team considering right. that you know it's not a fantastic system for this i mean to be 3d but uh we'll talk more about development when we talk about the characters right now we're going to talk a little bit about the storyline so i w- you you want to read the story when i before i after i introduce it Sure thing. All right, I will say for a JRPG, Panzer Dragoon Saga actually has quite a simple and direct story with a few characters. Some JRPGs tend to go all over the place with stories, but this this is a, this is basically the beginning that you what you need to know basically about the game. So you want to give it a read?
0: Yeah, for sure. Panzer Dragoon Saga is set roughly thirty years after the events of the first Panzer Dragoon game. And its story opens at one of the Empire's evacuation sites, the archaeological digs where the Imperials unearth the ruins of the technologies of the ancient age. The protagonist is a young mercenary named Edge, who was employed as a guard at this dig site. But when the site came under attack by a renegade Imperial commander named Krayman and his loyal followers, Edge was the only member of his team who survived. Crayman's goal was to capture a mysterious girl found within the ruins who had been kept in a state of suspended animation for thousands of years by ancient technologies. Presumed dead and left behind at the dig site, Edge wanted nothing more than to avenge his fallen comrades, and his prayers were answered when he was rescued by the Dragon of Legend climbing atop the dragon's back. Edge set out in search of Crayman and the truth. So, you
1: know, it's pretty much a revenge story. I, I think what this game really does is uh, finally flesh out a world that was created with rail shooting games without that much uh, storyline, you know what I mean? This is something that, like, mm-hmm. Nintendo has been wanting to do with Star Fox, where, but every time they, like, add more lore to Star Fox, you're like, oh, why, why? Like, I guess, you know <laughs> what I mean? So, like, this one does have depth. They talk about the ancient technology, the making of these, like, bioweapons. I forgot what they're called. Right. I have them in the notes somewhere. But yeah, what is what is your thoughts on the story? It's pretty direct. It's a revenge story, really. But yeah.
0: Right, yeah. It's surprisingly simple. I was actually kind of afraid when I started up the game that it would be overwhelming, um, that I would be completely lost. I don't think there's ever been an RPG that I've played where I haven't been like incredibly confused for most of the game, outside of maybe Skies of Arcadia. But like something like Grandia 2, when I play it, I just right over my head um but this one i really appreciate how simple it is especially when the backstory i mean you know you're coming off of two rail shooters mm-hmm. and how much lore is in those not much you play panzer dragoon you're pretty much good um so yeah i i really appreciate that and honestly a, a game i'd kind of compare is d when you look at that box you look at how many discs there are Oof. you're like oh my god Yeah. What am I getting into? Oh, man. But then when you actually play it, you're like, this is super. I don't want to say like simplistic, but it's easy to understand, which is, I think, a good thing. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've been watching some recent TV shows and I'm like, I can't watch Star Trek anymore. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like just too much plot. And I love, I just love, you know, a simple story like this, which is. Honestly, like it's it's kind of Star Warsy, yeah. In a sense, it's not it's not super complex. It's just dealing with big themes and like ancients, and it's cool. I like it a lot. I
1: think they do enough to give you enough, and then they tell you their motivation, and you're like, oh, now, now fans could go online and ponder and come up with this like really epic story of like why did Kramer, uh, uh betray the Empire? Oh, I could already see it in my head, you know. Um, and, and right. a lot of these JRPGs, they kind of tell you everything. Like when I, I've been playing this uh, Trials of Mana, which is like a remake of a of a Super Nintendo game, and even then, I'm like, bro, why are you guys introducing six thousand characters? What's going on here? I mean, this game, they <laughs> everything they have is nice. Like everything's there for a reason, and it feels like I don't know, complete. I don't even know how to say it. like not empty, not just right. to be there to be there.
0: I. Uh, A a pet peeve I have with most RPGs is when they have a lot of big story elements just in, like, pages you find. Like, oh, you found page number one of 30 for, like, the lore in the world, and it's spread out all over the map, so you're going to be collecting them. I never read those things. I pick them up and I move on. Like, You know what? It's not interesting to me. It's like if I'm watching a movie, imagine if a character goes, wait, we're going to pause the movie and you can read this letter I found that explains all these high-level concepts within the world of the movie. Like, I I, I appreciate how Panzer Dragoon does things.
1: I, I was going to say, um, there's an actual, like, YouTube community about those. The people that read all those things and they, like, make videos on the <laughs> lore and stuff or, like, Fallout and stuff. It's like an actual uh, thing. You could be your full-time job if you want to, just collecting, like, menu items for Sonic and talking about them. It's the ring.
0: The- I think Panzer... I think... Fancy Strongline Online did it best where it was uh, diaries written by the people who were there before, so you got like little hints of what's to come. Yeah. And it actually made it feel a little scarier because it's like, oh man, we're going to be dead when Dark Fells comes because these guys did not make it, you know? Yeah. It's, anyway. Yeah.
1: Talking about lore, uh, the series creator, uh, F- Fudasagi, who we talked about before, said that. This game has about one-fifth of the world lore they they wanted to introduce. So as you could tell, they had to cut a lot of stuff out. At the time, we had pretty long periods where we could just think about the world of Panzer Dragoon. Yeah, you guys had three whole goddamn years just sitting there thinking. (laughs) So we were building up to to, – and it came time to actually develop it. So we said, okay, we'll just take one part of what we made and turn it into a game. So I'm sure there are there was a lot more we had in mind at the time. But for example, if something were to happen in our end now, I'd probably throw that all away and think of something else. So like he's telling mm-hmm. you right here, he, he if they had to come back and redo Orta, they'd probably change it. Uh, I did read an interview from 1998 when the game came out, and apparently, according to them, they wanted to add more uh, character building for Kramen, uh, Kramen character, Because according to them, everyone that made the game that was their favorite character was the bad guy. So Hmm. that was part of it, that they had it uh, cut out. Considering it's been three console cycles since Panzer Dragoon Orta came out, uh, would you like to see some sort of book or something outlining some of the lore, like maybe another art book? I know they had an art book released way back in the day, which is obviously rare as hell now. But Sega's getting back into publishing. Um...
0: Honestly, I mean, you know, look what they're doing right now with Monkey Ball. Like, within the span of a month, they now have, like, a Monkey Ball official account with character, with funny stuff, with, like, tapping into a community that's always been there of people that, like, know the characters of Monkey Ball, and they love it. And so, I mean, if you have something like Monkey Ball that Sega can tap into within the span of a month or two and really strike gold with a fan community, Panzer Dragoon should not be an issue. And I think what they're kind of dropping the ball on right now is washing their hands, and I'm talking about Sega, of the remake, where they're like, here's an IP that we own, but you guys make it. And Sega's not like really capitalizing on it. I really feel like they could have some sort of community team um, taking some sort of time and effort to really tap into the community that's there, And be like, hey guys, you know, Panzer Dragoon One is remakes out. We're working on two. Here's some concept art. Do you guys have an interest in any uh, art books or fiction books? Because honestly, I feel like they could really thrive and make a lot of money off of the existing fan community that's there without a lot of effort. Oh yeah. You know, you do. You could do an art book. You could. I mean, there's effort behind those things, but it's much less work to make a book than it is to make a new game in the series. But if all they're really focusing on right now is remakes, then they could really, they could put out one, they could put out two, they could bring Orta back, which they kind of did on Xbox One, uh, enhanced, which is its own sort of like cleaned up port of Orta. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like there's some untapped potential there. And I really could see them doing like not only art books, but maybe an anime or a uh, or a manga. Um, I mean, we're seeing that right now with Shenmue as an anime. Um, we're seeing Sega kind of dipping their toes in the water of um, Yakuza, maybe doing like visual novel, like not a visual novel, but like a novel with some art in it. I, I just, I feel like Sega could do so much more in the multimedia space. They're doing it with Sonic, but why not do it with you know Shenmue and and Panzer Dragoon and uh stuff like that that has these beloved characters where's our IDW Skies of Arcadia comics that's like you, you can do it <laughs> that's what i I'm sur- i mean i'm this is not me settling you know i'm not saying like oh if we can't get a game just do that i'm saying build up this community and then once people are like oh i love the comics the books then drop like a bomb and be like we're making another Panzer Dragoon um it doesn't even need to be an R B G. Just like another rail shooter. That's a sequel to Orta. You know.
1: Yeah, and even Castlevania wow. did really well. Um, maybe it doesn't have to be Skies of Arcadia, but I'm surprised that they didn't like uh, tip their like go all in with the Streets of Rage, especially how well yeah. it was received with people, and like they already had a new art right. style. Sometimes getting that art style and bringing back a classic. The hardest part is getting an art style that the fans will accept. The fact that right. the guys at uh, .EMU did uh d- you know the what Lizard Cube is that the name of the developer. Uh mm-hmm. the, the fact that they did it and they got an art style that made all the old fans happy. I mean it's I mean at first they were complaining, but then after it came out they shut the hell up and they're all this is a really good game. I guess I'll just play it.
0: Right, and Sonic Mania Adventures did that yep. great because it was like an animated cartoon. Then for the 30th anniversary, we got like this massive classic Sonic comic, which exists within that Mania Adventures world. Um, and I feel like Sega could be doing that with their other IPs. And we keep posting news stories about, oh, they're making a a TV show based on Golden Axe. But where is this stuff? We've been talking about it for like six years now, oh, and yeah. no one's been doing it. It's there. For the taking, but all Sega's really interested in right now and is uh, Sonic and Yakuza, and I don't blame them; those things are big sellers. But like, there's more out there that you could, you know, make a little moolah on. Anyway,
1: let's talk about the characters.
0: Um, we're gonna be talking about Ooh. talking about five characters. Three
1: of them are really like the main characters. Really, first of all, obviously, mm-hmm. we got to talk about talk about Edge, our edgy protagonist. Which, <laughs> let's be honest, like. we'll talk about a little bit more when we get there but our protagonist edge is an orphan 15 year old who was raised by the captain of excavation excavation site number 74 this is episode number Mm -hmm. 75 we should have recorded this one last episode to get the 74s right there but whatever a dig site for the imperials that's uh they're digging for something obviously And uh, since the captain was a mercenary, Edge followed but longed for a life of excitement beyond guarding excav. Oh my God, I can't even say that word.
0: Excavation.
1: Excavation sites. (sighs) Edge gets his wish after the mysterious Iselle is unearthed from the ancient ruins, leading her to be taken by Kraman, the villain. Everyone on the site gets slaughtered, but our hero, Edge, who sets out for revenge, like we, uh, we just heard the story. In a 1998 mm-hmm. interview, the developer talked about creating Edge and said he was a blank state at the start, much like most of Sega's creations. See uh, Ryu from Shimmyu. But uh, as mm-hmm. development carried on, he said that uh, as it progressed, the scenarios got completed. He started to take on a personality of a somewhat sheltered, privileged kid. The kind of the kind the other kids would probably call opichan opichan, which apparently means like <laughs> in Japan, like rich kid, spoiled kid. Uh, with all the mm. other characters having such strong personalities, keeping Edge this way made sense. According to the series creator uh, Fudasagi, he said that he changed Edge. He he wanted to change. He changed him from an imperial soldier working for the empire to a mercenary. He said. We also had a version of the story where Edge was an Imperial soldier himself, not a mercenary. At first, he blindly follows orders, but gradually his eyes are open to reality. Unfortunately, this made the main story too long, so we abandoned the idea. We tried to keep the core of that idea by making him a mercenary. As for the other aspects of Edge's character, I feel like there was a lot of trial and error. Creating, scrapping, creating, and scrapping. Uh, one of one of the things they said they talked about Scrapping was the idea of him having uh, like spiky hair to look more like Cloud <laughs> from Final Fantasy VII, and the developers all kind of groaned at it in the interview. Or like, oh yeah, I remember that. Uh you know. Talking about concept designs, here's uh, some of the concept designs that they didn't use. Uh, the one on the right looks pretty much like Edge, but with longer hair. But the one on the left, I don't know if you could see it, he's shirtless and he has this like Mm -hmm. weird white thing sticking out of his head. Like he has like a like he's kinda like corrupted or like like fused with some sort of like monster. (laughs) I mean like that
0: It looks like a little dolphin baby coming out of his head.
1: Yeah, like a like a dolphin lips on the top of his head though. That's kinda (laughs) weird. Like the fact that and we see some other characters have these kind of things, like mask made out of these like bone materials. So yeah. it's part of the world, but I, I like the Edge we got. He's pretty simple. I like his hair. He's not overly, like, spiky. He wasn't, like, trying to copy other protagonists during this era, you know? Uh, what's your mm-hmm. thoughts on Edge as a character? Like, I, I think, I like his art style. I like the art style of this game a lot, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like the art style. It's not, like, overt anime. It's a lot more kind of, like, Studio Ghibli-ish.
1: Kind of reminds me of Akira. Um,
0: yeah, that too. Like, it's not, it's not your typical, um, maybe not typical is the right word, but your, um, expected anime. Like, the, the westerns expect anime to be, which kind of brings it down in a lot of people's eyes. Like, there was a Star Wars anime series announced, and everyone who didn't know, you know, shit about anime is like, oh, it's gonna be Dragon Ball anime. Dragon Ball Star Wars. And it's like, no, if you, if, if this thing's gonna be like, even half of the things are gonna be like, uh, you know, what we've seen from uh, like great anime studios, it's gonna be awesome. And I, I love this art style. I love his haircut, because yeah. it looks like mine. Perfect. Um, but, <laughs> uh, and I just, I like how they look kind of elfish almost, all the characters in this, just the faces. I think they're really, I don't know. They're really cool looking. It's, 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 I I can't put it into words. You have to look at it and realize it's not Goku. I like that.
1: Yeah. It has its own unique art style. And the next one. Absolutely. Azel, which uh, was described as beautiful by edge is a drone created by in the ancient age Uh, within the story. Drones in the, in this universe are created in a genetic lab, which at this time was submerged underwater. Uh, her job was to regulate a tower that she was a part of to make and regulate pure type creatures which would regulate humanity. So she made these hmm. – her her ancient – the ancients made her so she could make these like life forms to regulate humans. Obviously, anti-tower uh, tower network rebels uh, basically blew up the building and that's why it went under the ocean. And in this game, you – you know, bring her back up. Uh, according hmm. to the developers, right at the start, Azel was not going to be your. They said they said this, and this is a quote from them. They said they didn't want her to be your typical wide-eyed anime-style little girl. Uh, Fusagi yeah. said her personality was basically a cute but somewhat scary girl. She's not a person so much as a biological weapon. She is both human and not human, and it, and accordingly. We thought her character should be both attractive and frightening. And because of this, mm-hmm. she is required to, uh, the most retakes and revisions of any character. Uh, we have some concept art, which is very different, where she's wearing some... It looks kind of like a hoodie with like two... Yeah. I don't know how to say it. like She's like wearing pigtails, but the pigtails are not hair. They're like part of her flesh and they're painted black. Yeah. Um, and she's also wearing this really cool hoodie that's green. I really like that hoodie. I, I wish some like, I could see this being like on uh, insert coin tees or whatever. Like, yeah. How do you redo the stuff? Yeah. I really that's think pretty that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about uh, KF Crayman, uh, which I think is a lot oh, of. People. KFC. KFC's, everybody's favorite character, Crayman, is the leader of the Black Fleet that took it, uh, Azel former high-ranking member of the imperial academy he went rogue and a defector of the empire he is quite a complicated character at the time in his view the empire misused ancient technology for expansion while his pursuit was to use the technology to save the environment which makes him sort of like an anti-hero in a way going against the Mm. empire which I mean, if you played any Panzer Dragoon Saga, I, don't, I mean Panzer Dragoon game, I don't think the uh, Empire was ever a good guy. So personally, oh, I said right here, he's my favorite character. Uh, it's also the f- favorite character of the series creator, Fudusaki, who said he is also the most incomplete character where he explained. It's more like we originally had a great idea, uh, a great more, a deal more scenes were planned with him. We wanted to show more about his past and the reason why he rebelled against the Empire. However, we calculated that adding all that would have filled nearly the entire first disc. So we had no choice but to cut it all. That's why Kramen has no scenes between his early appearance and the second half of the game. He has the most thematic presence of all characters, but it's all the more a shame. There's also the fact that RPGs being what they are can't show you the lives of every character like an ominous third-person narrator this was the best way to advance the story from the protagonist's edges perspective and this is kind of something mm-hmm. we don't think about nowadays right we see four discs and we're like oh man this is gonna have like a good hours but like audio and like takes a lot of memory like we learned from shimyu it was four discs but all the voice acting really did take up a lot of the disc so it made the game shorter in the end compared to like right final fantasy that had no uh voices but absolutely yeah, yeah. um what's your opinion on kraman and him being an environmentalist really and <laughs> like i mean he's really like sonic the hedgehog if he was a bad guy i guess
0: yeah no i i definitely like his character um I mean, I can see why he was so popular. I also wanted to comment briefly on Azelle. I really like that she wasn't like, oh my gosh, Mr. Edge, you saved me. Ooh, what is this? I am new to this world. You know, like that sort of like wide-eyed. I know exactly what they're talking about with a wide-eyed anime girl. Um, I absolutely love the concept art. I honestly wish that was the character. I think it kind of looks like... It looks like a cross between those... I don't want to bring up Star Wars again, but I'm going to. Uh-oh. uh The Twi'leks. Yeah. With the leku where it comes down. That's what I was thinking about But the about hair... Too. Yeah, the hair looks more like... Um, uh, I guess like cornrows, right? Yeah, kind of. Like, and I think I just really dig that look. I don't like the picture on the left so much. I think that looks a little weird. But on the way it flows on the right, I think it's just really cool. And I, I kind of wish that was the look. I love the hoodie. Um, man, like I, I used to sketch a lot and draw when I was in high school. I kind of want to draw again. Like, I want to just like take this and like draw it. So I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to screen cap this right now and, uh, get back to drawing maybe tomorrow. I'll do a few sketches. That's pretty sweet. I really like that.
1: The, the next, but, um,
0: yeah, overall oh, it's sorry. like, a, it's a solid like trio of main characters oh, yeah. and I love that. I feel like they poured a lot of time and energy into a small amount of characters rather than spread themselves too thin. Like, I love Shenmue, but you look at that character roster and it's pretty apparent that they spent a lot of time on some characters. And other ones, they were just like, I don't know, Rastafarian, you know, goofy shirt hot dogs. Um, You know. That's what like,
1: Americans are like.
0: It is. It's yeah. true. Um It's true.
1: The next two characters are not that big. It's... Uh, I, you know, I always call this guy uh, Piet, Piet, but it's Pete I heard, so I don't know why it's spelled P-A-E-T, oh, okay. but I, I googled it mm-hmm. and they're like, that's how you say it, I was like, I, I, you could have just spelled it P-E-T-E like we normally do, not P-A-E-T, but uh, a tinkering man that lives in the town of Zoa's holy district that helps edge... Uh, he has a vast knowledge of ancient tech, and and he could build and repair airships. This is basically Tales in the game, really. It tells us in this game. And then we have Gash, who is a 28 year old friend of Edge and the leader of the Seekers, who becomes a group of rogues reclaiming ancient technology from the Empire. He wears a half mask to hide his missing eye, and uh, and he's got he has the nickname Shadow Eye. Nothing to do with Shadow the Hedgehog, <laughs> obviously, but I really love no. his mask. I really love how they did these like bone masks, where they would like make masks out of like dead creatures or whatever. It's very like tribal, and it kind of goes with the music and stuff of this world. It's like Mad Max's Mad Max, yeah, where it's like drumming, and you know, we'll, we'll get into when we get to the music. But mm-hmm. so more about the story as far as JRPG, uh, JRPGs go in this period. I'd say Panzer Dragoon Saga was considered a short game by other people's standards. I went on to how long to beat, and according to uh, them, it takes about 15 hours to beat Panzer Dragoon Saga. To me, that's wow. a good, good length, in my opinion, because it's long; it's over 10 hours, but it's not 40 hours, you know, of grinding. So, um, right, I looked up other JRPGs that came out around this period. And according to them Sakudin 2 takes 34 hours to beat. Final Fantasy 8 takes takes about 40 and a half hours to beat. Xenogears wow. takes 56 hours and a half to beat. And Grind takes 42 and a half. So uh what was your opinion on these like mainstream JRPGs basically trying to outdo each other with how long you spend in the game is that really you remember this time period do you remember people talking about how important that was
0: yeah i hate it and i still hate it yeah i don't like long games um unfortunately a lot of the yakuza games fall into that trap but they're great long games so um you know it's for me t- i don't have a lot of time i used to commute and so when I was sitting on a train, I would maybe get a couple hours a day of video gaming, which is why I've, I've completed stuff like Snatcher and Project Cross Zone and a lot of like 3DS games. But nowadays, honestly, I don't have the time. So when you show me 15 hours, I'm so excited. I'm like, I need to get back and play Panzer Dragoon Saga again. Hell, when we did D, mm. when I realized it's a four disc game that takes like what? What is it? What is the limit like an hour Yeah. Like 2 hours? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's insane. Yeah, it's like I love that. And so I really feel like there's a happy there's a happy amount of time that makes a great RPG both memorable and replayable and I think maybe 15-20 hours is the is the perfect time because that's a good amount of time to put into a game, but not enough that you'd be like, I'm not coming back for this, or I've never beaten this. Like, shit. Nah, it's just, it. the problem is, is when you get into those lengths, it becomes a lifestyle choice. It becomes a gate for the average person. And I very much doubt the average person has time for RPGs, which is why RPG gamers are like such a, I don't know, it's... You want to call it losers? I don't know, I... <laughs> no, not losers, but it becomes a niche to the point where it's like, they're not mainstream. They definitely aren't, but I feel like mainstream has adapted, uh, certain RPGs and people just consider them good because they've heard they're good. Yeah. So Final Fantasy VII, Panzer Dragoon Saga, like people have not played those, but they've heard they're good. And so there's like YouTubers out there making videos where they're like, the thumbnail's like this, and it's like the, Ten best Sega Saturn games, and they go through them. They've never played them. They haven't no. played all well, ten of do them. What, I
1: mean, this is what we do. We go on YouTube, right? We look at somebody else's video, and then we just mix them up and say the same exact thing in a different way with different jokes and different, you know, humans. Right. But it
0: eh. right. And I mean, if I can big us up a little bit, um, I know between you and I, we've played a lot of Sega games, but we we have not played nearly as many as we probably want to. Talk, a- want to, or talk yeah, about. But sure. what I like about this podcast is it forces us to, at the very least, like throw a game on for twenty minutes. Oh yeah, you know, like I've at least played a little bit of every game we've talked about on this show. Um, you know, so I can say that I've played it, I've experienced it, and I have some sort of uh, opinion on it. So I'm very glad we're doing Panzer Dragoon Saga, and I can't wait to talk about. Gameplay, because I think that's the strongest point of the game of this whole game
1: yeah oh for sure so one of the biggest changes from the previous two installments is this is a jrpg influenced by games like final fantasy and dragon quest the game took Mm -hmm. more focus on adding cgi animations so they made the battle system more dynamic and cinematic uh it has more swooping camera shots uh highly animated uh, sequences during fights also, like the last, uh, the last games, the battles takes place when you're flying a dragon usually, compared to uh, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, they're always on foot. The gameplay mm-hmm. actually isn't really turn-based, even though it's a JRPG. It's more of a real-time system, making the game feel more Dragon, Banjo-Dragoony. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it if it's not a rail shooter, it still has like the framework of a rail shooter around it. It's like they didn't just like a lot of developers could just be like, "Oh, we're just gonna make it turn-based like Final Fantasy, and that's it, and then call it a day." They did not. They uh, they actually went in and they really thought about the the combat system. And when I did interview, when I read the interviews, this they said this was the nightmare. <laughs> Making this combat system was a complete nightmare because it's really unique. There's no game quite like it. The game has uh, you usually use three gauges and different moves, like a normal attack, a berserk attack, which is kind of a spell attack here or items they usually use some sort of bar you have three bars and if you have them all full you usually get to attack first or get uh an advantage but if you use too Mm -hmm. many moves you're sitting there with no bar the bar usually refills itself by itself um the game also makes clever use of the radar which is something that pens dragoon games have been known for and the 360 style camera uh, you basically mm-hmm. have a radar that could tell you where it's hazardous not to sit, so you have to move around a little bit, and it all shows you weak points. Um, and they do a good job of making the game feel fresh. Like every battle, they really you could tell they really thought about it. And um, I so like I you said. I mean, I think we're going to be saying this a lot. Like, we're going to be like, oh, the characters? Yeah, that's the best thing about Pen's Dragoon. Oh, you, you, the music? Yeah, that's the best thing about Panzer Dragoon. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, right. the, the gameplay? Oh, dude, that's, you know. We're going to be doing that.
0: But that's what, that's what makes for a great game. Like, no element is really weak in this game.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, and that's... I mean, honestly... You know, I'm trying to think that besides the fact that it costs like a, a small fortune, that's like the only negative I could say about it. But that's not it.
0: their fault. That's nah, not the developer's no fault. No way. You know.
1: No, nah, it's the Sega Saturn for existing. I'm sorry. I love you Saturn, but <laughs> um, I will say that uh, they um, I really like it. I like that they they kind of made it feel like a rail shooter JRPG. Like I've never played a game like this. I don't think we're ever going to play a game mm-hmm. like this. And uh, what I was gonna say, what's your opinion on this system compared to like real time bat? I mean, uh, turn based battles. Like, I kind of like turn based battles; that they're fun. But I feel like a lot of games get boring quickly with them.
0: Absolutely. Like- yeah, no, I I really like this system. I I really like how it takes elements of Panzer Dragoon, the rail shooting games, and then kind of eases you into a sort of modified, advanced version utilizing elements of it. Um, I think the best comparison I could make to a modern franchise is Yakuza Like a Dragon, where it, it's, it's a, I mean, it should be giving you, um, a whiplash, but it doesn't. Like, you start up Yakuza Like a Dragon, and once you get to the JRPG battles, you're like, okay, I'm seeing the Yakuza elements, but I'm also seeing the turn-based RPG, which is new, but it doesn't really feel out of place. Um, I think the difference there, though, is that you've played from Yakuza 0 through 6 in an action fighting game. So it's kind of a breath of fresh air, especially when Judgment has two games that are more similar to the original Yakuza games. Um, Whereas here, I, I don't feel like the rail shooting was really played out just yet. So it's kind of surprising that they... After only two games, when and when you talked about development, honestly, they were going to go into the next game as JRPG. Um, it's a big shift, but I think people need to think more from a Japanese standpoint. This was a common thing like make an RPG version that always happened. Like oh, yeah. puzzle games, puzzle games would have an RPG version. Um, I believe uh, what, what what is the persona right now is a spinoff, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Strikers is kind of like an action game, but yeah, Persona is technically a right. uh, spin off.
0: Exactly. And then you see the same thing with, um, Virtua Fighter. They tried to do an action RPG game, which kind of fell on its face. Sonic, they even did, uh, with an American studio making, um, Sonic Chronicles. So it's, it's nothing new. A Mario did an RPG. So, you know, it's just, it just happens to be that, um, in this case, <laughs> It was like, they took a, a game that's basically the equivalent of like Virtua Cop. Yeah. And then they made Final Fantasy VII as the sequel, Dude, which is, imagine, which is huge. Imagine <laughs> a
1: Virtua Cop RPG game. Woo. <laughs> That'd
0: be, weird. That would be awesome. Really? I, I want a virtual world game where it takes all of the Virtua games and throws them into a giant like, Massive RPG minigame compilation thing That would be sweet Oh, I'd buy
1: that (laughs) I'd buy that Um,
0: Yeah Yeah.
1: Let's talk about the music I don't know if you know about this But people seem to really like the soundtrack I don't know if you knew this But uh, during the release of the game They had three composers Um, I'm I'm not going to talk about uh, Mariko Nanba Which we talked about before She's from Sonic Team She was part of this soundtrack She was, I think, Choo Choo Mm -hmm. Rocket or maybe... uh, It was one of those games we we talked about her a couple times, actually. I'm not sure which games, but she was in a lot of Sonic Team games. And Hayato Matsuyo, who did like two songs, I think, or three songs. uh, The person that's known the most when it comes to this game is actually Sorya Kayabushi. Is that how you say her name? Uh, She... Uh was the one that came back with the re-release, <laughs> right?
0: Oh yeah. She
1: worked on uh, Deep Duck Trouble starring Miki, Donald Duck and Sonic Drift Two before she landed her. Oh, uh, landed on Saga and later she also did the soundtrack for Orda. Uh, she mm-hmm. would also go on to work on music for uh, Banana uh, S- Super Monkey Ball, Banana Splits, and the spiritual short-lived Panda Dragoon Microsoft game Crimson Dragon. Unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. with Sega games, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Sound, I mean, unsurprisingly, yeah, as a good thing, uh, the soundtrack is considered legendary and a big part of why people felt immersed into the world of Panzer Dragoon. I decided to pick three of my favorite tracks just to talk about it a little bit. Um, the first one is called "Unexpected Enemy." I know, I, I you know what? I really like the battle music in this game. Um the play some of it In the back So <clears throat> Going to be honest with you This track kind of gives me A spacey vibe That sort of reminds me Of theme, the theme song Of uh, Fantasy Star Online The the Like the themes The, the main theme when you, Especially when it gets into it Like It has that spacey vibe You know what I mean And Mm -hmm. that's why I like it. I also like how it has that flute sound in the back, giving it that it's spacey, but it also has like that weird earthy feel to it. And it's a cool, it's a cool track. I I really like it. I think it's really sick. Um, The next track we're going to be talking about. Oh my God. I'm getting ads over here, dude. (laughs) God. Thank you, YouTube. I, I appreciate it right in the middle of the podcast. The next one we're gonna be talking about uh, is premonition of battle, and I actually looked this track up, and they uh, changed the uh, they changed the name of the track for the new re release, the twentieth anniversary album. It was called like uh, uh, pr- uh, premonition of of uh, uh, of a battlefield or something, but it's like now just battle. I don't know. if That's the real translation. Um. This track is pretty sick or slick. I, I really love that it has like this really native tribe style drumming with haunting instrumentals in the back. Kind of gives it. It kind of reminds me of Valkyrie Chronicles. It's weird because like I always find a track in these soundtracks and I'm like, oh, it reminds me of this game. But, but this one has the tribal drumming, like a Valkyrie Chronicles war track, but with more tribal chilled drumming. And mm-hmm. the last one, obviously. Is the main theme just because I think when you listen to main themes, it's usually the one you usually listen to the most. Like the menu, every time you boot the game up, you'll hear it. This one's kind of weird because it actually really fast. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can. It, it's not like other usual. Like every time I hear like a main theme, it's always like haunting or like like trying to be like uh, epic. This one's just like this drum. Mm-hmm. Let's go crazy. I love the CGI animations. It really hyped me for this game when I first played. Like just booting, booting it, I'm like, I'm, I'm, let's go, I'm ready. Um, So I just think it's a really sick track to start the game off. Uh, Definitely a great soundtrack. What's your thoughts on the soundtrack? And is this is this a? There's some soundtracks that I can't. I love when I play in the video game, like some JRPGs. But like, there's some soundtracks I can't listen to when I'm like driving or working out or i mean i don't really work out that much but you know (laughs) you know uh, what are your thoughts on this is this one of those because i could listen to like sonic music anytime like but there's some like valkyrie chronicles i can't listen to the soundtrack every day right yeah
0: um i i honestly think this kind of falls into the more i need to be in the mood to listen to it if it came on on shuffle i'd probably skip past it oh yeah unfortunately um, I think it's a beautiful soundtrack, but it kind of has a time and a place. I can't really think of a time during my day where I'm like, I should throw on some Panzer Dragoon music, you know. Um, having said that, I did just look up to see if any of the vinyls were still for sale. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it. No? Um, <laughs> wow. No, well, the the remake is still up for sale. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um,
1: I, was, I was in the right, same. Right,
0: but the... Panzer Dragoon Saga 20th Anniversary one sold out. The Data Discs one sold out. Um, mm. I mean, not to go on a tangent, but it looks Data Discs have not announced anything for a long while. Yeah, I think
1: they're out of business. though um, no, I'm joking. I, 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 there's only one. I don't release. know. Well, when I
0: go to their web, I when I go to their them. website, Shenmue Two was the latest one, and it says, unfortunately, due to Brexit, we cannot accept any orders Uh-oh. from EU countries until further notice. Oof. Which kind of feels like it might be a blow to them, for sure. Um, so buy your data discs now. I'm looking at my stack over there, and I, I am definitely lacking some. But, um, I mean, beautiful soundtrack, not one I'd throw on. Uh, and to be quite honest, I think it the best time to listen to the soundtrack is within the game itself. Um, I mean, when you have great art style, uh, great visuals, great characters, a great soundtrack just accompanies it so well, which is why I think... The game is so replayable um, that, honestly, just throw the game on if you want to listen to the soundtrack. Um, as much as the vinyl and CD look tempting, um, just drop a $1,000 and
1: just oh, buy yeah, the game. No big deal. You know? uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Kayabishi, who we talked about as the lead composer. Uh, mm-hmm. She came back in 2018 when she partnered up with... Uh, Brave Wave, which I think she's part owner Mm -hmm. of the company. I'm actually because like there's some actual composers that are like on the team, and I think if you look at it, she's part of it. Uh, They released Resurrection: Panzer Dragoon Saga 20th Anniversary Arrangements, where she selected 20 tracks from the game to rearrange and remastered. Uh, She even uh, she even brought back uh, the vocalist uh, Ari Aito Along with a Triforce mm-hmm. quartet to re-record the tracks, according to an mm-hmm. interview with The Verge, she says she wanted she would re-listen to the tracks and not feel that they sounded right. She says they sounded cheap on the Sega Saturn. She said, "I can't help but feel that I was actually quite young and inexperienced when it came to uh, mm. her original composition. Obviously, she has twenty years from then." Um, I was going right. to tell you. Uh, what do you think about our artists coming back and rearranging, re recording, and maybe even rewriting some of their old arrangements and like adding something to them? Because, like, some of my favorite releases were like all the rearrangements for the Outrun soundtrack when they released that like yeah. five disc one. That was crazy. Like, it had like five different versions of every track, and I was listening to them, and it was very interesting to listen to.
0: Yeah, well, I was I was gonna say my friend Steve actually is an artist on Brave Wave. I know he was uh, on but the label, I, I, and he, I, I, he works with them.
1: I know he does. That's why that's why um, I added him here. I was like, he's gonna bring up Steve. I... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, no, I I just think it's cool. He, he's actually on the site here, so he's he's definitely listed among their artists. Um, but I hear from Steve from time to time. I mean, I talk to him a lot on little DMs and stuff. But I hear from him uh, time to time about his uh, little soundtrack work and. Um, he's, he's a busy bee. He's got some cool projects coming up. So Ooh. maybe I'll, I'll give him a shout-out on shout out on some future shows. But um, in the meantime, yeah, I, I have no problem. I really like, especially when it's the original artist coming back to work on the new music, um, I'm really looking forward to Sonic Colors Ultimate having remixed music for, I believe, the whole soundtrack. Um, I, I think we can switch between the two, too, which I always prefer. I don't like... when I mean, okay, so in the case of like a game like Kiwami for Yakuza, I think it makes sense to not have both soundtracks available. But in something that's like a straight trying to emulate gameplay one-to-one, like Panzer Dragoon, I prefer having both versions. Uh, remake, Panzer Dragoon Remake has both versions, right?
1: Uh, I think... Don't know. I don't remember. I don't think so. Maybe not. Am-
0: oh, okay. But, I mean, in this case, it's cool. Um, I know for Sega's 60th, they put out that massive CD set that I have, and there's some fun remixes on there from original artists, from the uh, the Space Harrier dude, Hero. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's great, because it means, you know, they've been keeping up with what's been going on. They're still committed to their music. Honestly, I feel like as much as I love Hideki Naganuma, I think he needs to stop shit posting on Twitter and just make some new music tracks. <laughs> yeah, he's
1: the only guy um, that does music in video games that doesn't actually work on video game music. Like your friend Steve is always constantly yeah. working on video game music. And, he, and Hideki Naganuma, who has a way bigger following on social media, is right. just posting about being
0: horny all the time. Steve works like a a full time daytime job and does video game music, so he's a busy bee. But I believe a one or two shows ago, I was like, "How do people in video games make money?" Because when I look at they Hideki don't. Naganuma, I'm like, "Dude, are you making royalties or something?" Because how how are you staying alive? I don't get it. I don't see him making much music. Mm-mm. I just see him on Twitter all the time. Yeah, I don't get he's it. It's horny, dude. Someone someone tell me how Hideki is staying. Nourished <laughs> uh, I think He Saves a lot of He
1: lives with He lives with his mom Right And he's just sitting there Talking about Being hornier And
0: he's just talking about Big boobs He's like Mom I learned what Big milky boobs Is in English <laughs> And she goes Okay Hideki And she brings him Like some Some soup
1: That's why His music was like that You know uh, Let mom sleep
0: <laughs> well, let, let mom sleep <laughs> yeah. That's actually Something she tells him Every day Hideki Let mom sleep
1: Exactly Yeah um, yeah <laughs> I mean it would, It'd be an interesting interview With Steve I mean uh, He could talk about You know How they make money Or how Hideki makes money Talking about boobs And shit on the
0: internet I'm actually I'm glad you brought that up Because I think I've said On our, our Patreon That I'm bringing back Swing and Report Show As a live show um, And I've asked Steve To come on To be one of the early First guests Because He's a friend of mine So if things go south Technical wise Like he's not going to be Pissed off Of course me, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah that'd
1: be the worst but yeah, yeah. um
0: yeah I, let's yeah. get
1: into advertisement. all right uh this is usually i mean i'm surprised we even have anything to talk about considering that Panzer dragoon is considered one of the i don't know what what do the people say like that sega screwed up that they av- like what every time i would hear back in the day that sega screws up marketing you know is a meme uh, especially during the dreamcast era Pens Dragoon right. Saga would be the failure that people would bring up. So I'm surprised we actually have ads to talk about. Um, so part of the transition period during 1998 was that Sega was leaving the Saturn and moving on to the Dreamcast. It was a really, really mm-hmm. weird time period. And um, But the first, the first commercial, the only commercial, TV commercial we, we got was a... Uh, Sega Tan Sanshiro commercial for it. And when we did our Sega Tan Sanshiro episode on Sega Talk number 40, we actually said this mm-hmm. was not a great commercial. Um, uh, we'll watch it now, and then you guys could, uh, tell us in the comments what you guys think about this this ad. Um, it's okay, well, I'll put it, later. it's only 15 seconds. anyway yeah uh so basically it's him it's uh sega dan sashiro wearing a some sort of like dragon mask from from you know the festive ones and he's yeah. uh doing his uh dance his little dragon dance and then it shows you cgi footage of the game and then it says yeah. Azel rpg uh, what do right. you think about the episode now? We called it one of the worst Sega Se- Sega Sanchiro ads at the time. We said it was bland. Do you still stand by that? Cause I do think
0: it's pretty I bland. do because I do because the best Sega Sanchiro ads are him telling people to play Saturn, putting people in headlocks, or showing feats of strength. <laughs> and this one it's just a single camera of him doing like a kabuki dance with a yeah. dragon mask. And maybe something's lost in translation, but it's just very bland and boring, especially for a game that took three years to make. Oh, yeah. uh, it shows very little, if any, gameplay. It just shows clips from CGI cutscenes. I don't know how they thought this would sell copies of the game, um, and maybe it didn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, because it it really was. it just right, like because you look at Shenmue and they had like. Um, what's Shenmue was like a bonus disc. They had the iconic, um, uh, it's not an RPG, it's not a movie, you know, and they go through Shenmue has real time effects showcasing the weather and, you know, like hype it up, talk about it, you know, but they really didn't. It's just pathetic that they let this game release to die. They did, um,
1: they did (laughs) give out demo discs for people that bought the soundtrack in Japan. So you had to go Mm -hmm. buy a soundtrack for a game that wasn't out yet, apparently. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then it came with a demo disc. So to me, it's like, oh, so you're selling a demo disc to the hardcore fans. that are already going to buy it. Like, the demo disc should have been given out at TGS, you know what I mean? It should have been free. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the more people that play your game, especially if you have an innovative game like Saga the more people would buy it, I think, back then, at least. Right. Has there been a demo that you played that made you buy the game right when you played the demo?
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Um, Dreamcast Junkyard, or Dreamcast Junkyard, Dreamcast uh, Magazine put out so many demo discs that sold me on games, but the one that sticks with me is the November, um, I, I think it was 2000 issue, where it was like Shenmue Trailer... I'm sold on it. Jet Set Radio demo, I'm sold on it. You know, like there was so many great stuff highlighted on that. Um, that, yeah, it's, it's, oh, the Skies of Arcadia demo, which then I later learned was like a unique story. Oh, yeah. Like that's awesome. I love that because I'm like, oh, this is like a little, little taste, a little like sample, but it's not something that you find in the game itself. I love when they do that. So, um, Yeah, it's just a shame that there was really no demo discs going on, at least in America, for Panzer Dragoon Saga. I know that at the time, um, Sega Visions was releasing their magazines, and the last two or three issues were Saturn-focused. But it definitely was not a uh, a Saturn magazine, and it never really covered Panzer Dragoon Saga, because it never got to 1998.
1: Oh yeah, short-lived. Sega Vision was... Yeah. Really cool. We could even do a whole episode on Sega Vision one day. One day. We will. We, we will. will. Cool newsletter. Look it up. Anyway, for now. But, uh, <laughs> outside, the, uh, there was another print ad that they actually showed off for Japan, but I'm not going to talk about it because it's just kind of like the artwork of the soundtrack, the re-release, the Azell one, uh-huh. the cover. And that's it. And they didn't really uh, have screenshots or anything. Let's talk about the USA advertisement. Uh, the, in a uh, night warriors night stalkers revenge a capcom video game for the sega saturn actually had a manual with a promotion of upcoming sega saturn games and one of those games that was featured on there was panzer dragoon saga but it actually had a completely different box art um Mm -hmm. to me we have two pictures of it one what it looked like and then the actual zoomed in picture to me this artwork reminds me of the old Sega of America Genesis covers they would produce with more oil painting approach. Of course, the game mm-hmm. uh, would actually use Japanese art assets, which I actually prefer. Well, uh, this, is, this is the first time hardcore American Sega Saturn collectors uh, got to see Panzer Dragon Saga. Sega would go on to feature two uh, – we'll talk about the print ads in a little bit. What's your opinion on this cover compared to the other one? I mean, it's 2D, which is weird. Like, where does art come from? I don't mind
0: it. I kind of like it compared to Panzer Dragoon 1 and 2 on the Saturn. Like, they all feature, like, a big dragon on the cover. Mm -hmm. So I think it works from going from one game to the next. I think this would look better in a lineup than what we eventually got. Um, Having said that, I prefer what we eventually got. I think this one's a little... I mean, it definitely does remind me of a localized Japanese game. Oh, yeah. Um, like, it reminds me of a lot of Dreamcast games had, like, weird art like this, where they ended up actually being Japanese ports. But when you looked at them, you were like, oh, this is some, like, edgy American game for sure. And it wasn't.
1: Also, I'm so surprised that this one is like, who did the art for this? Like, i don't even know how that would even work like you hire an artist he does all this like it probably took him 100 hours to paint all this and then you're like you know what never mind we're just gonna go with the japanese art and i'm like ah oh. at least you got to print a little bit uh, you got it in a mag in a manual i guess but
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's talk about the ads the first ad we actually got in america uh was uh fairly bland. It actually features three Sega Saturn games, uh, including uh Shining Force Three, The House of the Dead, and Panzer Dragoon Saga, which is the last one listed here. Uh what and it's just like a uh describe it to people, I guess it says Sega hard stuff on the side, and then it has like a pup like a dog <laughs> sleeping in the yard, but everything is like there's a bunch of newspapers meaning they haven't left the house in a long time. And then it shows you three games. So the idea would be that these games and the Sega Saturn are making you stay home, basically, um, <laughs> and be a shut-in. So it's an okay ad. What, what do you think about this ad?
0: I mean, we've we've talked about it before. I'm not really a fan when they put the um, uh, screenshots really tiny and don't really utilize any original art or pushing any gameplay. Like, this one's just telling you you're going to be inside playing games a lot. Like, okay, and then Sega, hard stuff. I've never heard that slogan before or since. Um, What I do find funny, though, is when you look at these three games, like, that's a small fortune now. Oh, yeah. House of the Dead, uh, the American release, is pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. Shining Force 3, American release, very expensive. And then Panzer Dragoon Saga, very, very expensive. So it's kind of funny that they did A really shitty ad for games that actually turned out to be um rare, insanely expensive, yeah. insanely rare, exactly. I mean, what Shining Force 3 alone, I can't even find. Oh, it's $350. Dude,
1: I mean, the fact you know? that we used to say, <laughs> oh my god, Pencil Dragon was 150 really shows you how far the market's gotten lately, yeah. Um, the next ad is actually kind of controversial. Um, I think I posted this one on Twitter, but uh it's i i think it's sort of clever but at the same time i mean you know <laughs> uh say basically the ad on top says for those of you who can't find panja dragoon saga see below and then below it's a picture of edge but it's like a cutout so you could put the mask on and it's supposed to mm-hmm. and people would say oh it's a joke about the low print run and if you read on the bottom it says instructions Cut out along the dotted lines and uh, and strap masks to face using rubber bands. Then run around your neighborhood flapping your uh, arms, imagining you're riding a morphing dragon and your journey has begun. Hey, look, that's not a fire hydrant. It's a power up. That's not a rock. It's a zell Watch the magic unfold as you become a master of make-believe. So it's like, you're not even going to play this game. Just pretend to play this game. And they give you a mask. And they also have right here, it says that there's if you go to sega dot com, you could download other *Trippans Dragoon Saga* masks, including Azel, Gash, P Dragon, Captain, and Krayman. Captain was uh, huh. your dad or whatever your your foster dad. It's just called Captain. But uh, right, they, I've never seen these other masks. I'm assuming they're just the art assets like this. But uh, this would be a mm-hmm. cool post for uh, Sega Forever to post the mask because I'm sh- I'm assuming they have the assets somewhere sitting around. Hopefully. Right, but uh, what is your huh. uh, what is your uh, opinion as a designer on this uh, <laughs> marketing ad? It's kind of like it's mocking people. Like you're not going to play this game, dude.
0: I don't know. I mean, it's very strange because I mean, you you could take that read on it. Um, I don't know if at the time when they made this ad, they knew the game was hard to find. I mean, did the mark was the marketing team told, hey, it's a limited print run?
1: No, I mean, uh, I, I, that seems kind of sh- we don't know.
0: The, we don't know that seems kind of strange so to i think the idea is like a role-playing game is you playing a role so they're like oh well let the we're telling people you can play the role in real life like you know uh this is i don't know it's it's a very strange campaign especially for a game that's so niche i want to say Also like... an under-advertised.
1: Also like this is like an early version of online marketing from Sega, which they were always kind of on the cutting edge of that because like they even did this kind of stuff in the early Saturn where they had a page and they would always ask you to go to Sega.com and check it out. Um, I don't remember many other games doing that.
0: I mean, you and I received uh, Akira costumes, basically, for Virtua Fighter V Ultimate Showdown. Like... That sort of things makes more sense than this. I feel like if they did this now, they would send us cardboard masks in the mail and we're like, "Oh, this is funny, Ooh. and we do a video where we try them on when and uh, like, oh, look, when uh, I'm as when they
1: sent the 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 <laughs> art assets or press assets for uh Wonder Boy three, they gave me a cardboard mask of the pig the, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, so I mean they do do that I guess i I find this kind of an interesting ad. And the fact that we got two ads in North America, but to be honest, uh, I looked them up and they were both in EGM. Maybe there was some sort of marketing budget where they just had one spot left open, you know, because they were both in the same magazine. Hmm. So Uh, according to sources at the time, Sega also handed out some screenshots to bloggers outside of these limited ads. There were uh, they were uh, yeah They were each on EGM. They also only reserved 10 copies for the game press, meaning only 10 outlets got early copies to review. Wow. Why did Sega of America blunder so hard? They actually were in, well, we talked about this before, they were in a transitional period where they were actually cutting down employees. According to the Wikipedia article, they went from 2,000 employees to 200, which led to to a very uh, limited amount of copies. And, And because Sega was working on, Actually, planning the launch of the Dreamcast, uh, having that launch ins- uh, instead of launching a new game for a system that's basically dead, uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga would go on to only get 20,000 units printed in North America, which, wow, that's a little bit, right? But, like, it's not one copy either. Like, to me, it almost feels like there was only like 2,000 copies made the way the pricing is going, you know? um 20,000 mm-hmm. is a. Uh, a very small town. <laughs> so, um, what is your opinion on this whole blunder of uh, and kind of like how this game's legacy is really its low print run in a way? Do you think it would have stayed mm. as as legendary if they printed like a million and it was just a, like Virtual Fighter Two for the Sega Saturn?
0: I mean. <sighs> I think if they if they released a ton more copies, then and made it a slow burn, I think they would be making money for a good few years after the Saturn died. I mean, you know, look, you're you're still putting them out there some way. Like online online retailers were a thing. Like I said, around this time, I bought um, Burning Rangers. So if they upped the um, print run, but maybe gave it kind of the esteem of being a sort of limited final game for the Saturn. Maybe give it like a collector's box, bump the price up a little bit and really make it known to the more hardcore fans that, Hey, this is like the last Saturn game that's coming out in America, but we're showing you guys, you know, we're saying thanks and we're, you know, check out the Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah. um, and maybe they could have even like promoted the Dreamcast some way through this, like put in inserts in the in the game packaging to be like, you know, thank you for your support of the Saturn. Come come with us into 1999. I don't the, know. The best, I mean, maybe this will.
1: The best solution would yeah. have been for the Dreamcast just to play Sega Saturn games. Like, I understand it's super hard for, at the time. That's true. But like that would have been yeah. the easiest transition for uh, people not to feel gypped. That their old collection right. could still be played. But it is what it is. Mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the legacy. <laughs> uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga would go on to get massive cult-like status. It became the game of the internet that all video game critics liked. And always brought up when we talk about the best RPGs of all time. While the developers mm-hmm. always had a big world uh, when the game came out. According to the original staff, it, this was actually meant to finish the Panzer Dragoon story. As most of the creators would leave Sega, but then later return for Orta. Um, regardless, this is the last time we got a JRPG of Panzer Dragoon. Also, since the game gained cult-like status, the game has risen in price a lot. Especially in the US. Uh, right now, they're over 1000 You can't get anything under 1000 Which
0: Really? Yeah. I'm going to look. I, 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 don't believe I, I
1: looked you. it up and I put from uh, lowest to highest last night. So check it out. This is a game that is going to continue to get more expensive as time goes on, sadly. Back in 2008, when Sega of America's CEO, Simon Jeffries, uh, sort of talked too much when it came to being blunt with companies, he talked about how some classic Sega games are never going to get re-released because they lost the source code at Sega. It is, right? It's over a thousand, right?
0: I'm... Yeah, I'm kind of an. Well, even what I open in my mouth is because Panzer Dragoon One and Two are selling for a hundred bucks each.
1: Yeah, those are rare too, dude. Oh my god, I, when I was when you know was like in '99 and 2000, I would go to like flea markets and swap meets and stuff, and they used to sell right. Panzer Dragoon One and Two in long box for for like five bucks. Like they're trying to get rid of it. Like yeah, and now it's like. Fifty bucks and like they're a hundred dollars. Look up uh, the long box version of uh, Virtual Fighter Two. That one's actually uh, going for fifty. For what I saw last time. Come on. Yeah, it's getting ridiculous, dude. Like if you want to cut a a full box game (gasps) for Sega of uh, Sega Saturn in America, it's crazy, dude. Uh,
0: What is? Is there disc only? What about disc-only?
1: Come on. I mean, let's be honest. We all want it complete. We want to see the cool artwork. Right, but I'm
0: cool. looking at Panzer Dragoon Saga disc-only 750 That's what
1: I'm saying. It's ridiculous. It's like you should have just bought it at 150 when it was super expensive.
0: Disc 2 only sold for $150. i am sorry. You can't even start the game with Disc 2. But
1: you can slowly disc buy Disc-only
0: $700. <laughs> That's insane. You can't... Oh, my God.
1: Uh, this so, is insane. So part of the whole... Game for a long time, fans would talk about Pen's Dragoon Saga source code being lost online, uh, with old articles dating all the way back, uh, from when the creators apparently. Okay, so first of all, do you remember everyone talking about this lost so- source code thing?
0: I do, okay, yeah, because
1: it, it became a big meme online where every time Sega would re- be like, Sega ages we're releasing this, and people would be like, Jet Set Radio Future or Pen's Dragoon Saga, they're like, sorry. The source code is lost. (laughs) Well, during uh, GDC, uh, the Game Developers Conference 2019, uh, Yoshida, the creator of uh, Pan's Dragoon, talked about the source code. According to him, he wasn't there when the ship version of the game came out, but he did have the master version. When he was there, he he handed Sega the master version of the game, uh, and then he left Sega. But he teased that he has heard rumors that someone at Sega might have refound the source code so it's really unclear we don't know if, if it has been lost the rumor has that is that it, they found it a couple years ago uh, is it true i don't know um, i guess we'll right. find out soon enough but we definitely haven't had an announcement of a re-release so far as of right now Panzer dragoon so saga is only available to play on the sega saturn and you could play it on emulators, or even put, put Pseudo Saturn on Se- uh, on your Sega Saturn and play burnt copies. I personally right. recommend playing a backup copy um, and just mod your Sega Saturn because re- you can't enjoy a Sega Saturn without games, and you can't afford games. Let's be honest; unless you're a, you're a millionaire, or even a millionaire, you'd be you'd be <laughs> your budget might be a little. Uh, not there, you know what i mean? If you have 1 million dollars, that might be a, oh. a whole US Sega Saturn collection today.
0: Dude, Burning Rangers is selling for $1,000. Yeah,
1: i have a feeling it's going to go for 2, three, ten.
0: I need to sell it? I need to insure, i need to insure my collection.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's this is what i was thinking too when i was looking at the prices last night. I'm like, did you uh, did you see that Super Nintendo Mario uh gdc graded or whatever they call it those stupid comic book great crap
0: sold for a million dollars yeah and yeah. it's
1: like how much is freaking pants dragon gonna sell one day randomly like when somebody has like a uh, 9.5 copy or whatever oh
0: my god oh my god
1: mine's like a maybe an 8.5 8.6 maybe but
0: geez i remember the one i had uh for that brief time was probably like a A three. It was in really (laughs) shitty condition.
1: And it's probably worth $1,000. Probably. So, how do you think people should play this game in the end of the day? So, we're closing it up.
0: Burn copy, Um, right? Honestly, yeah. I would try either burning copies. Um, There are actually people out there making repros of it. Oh, yeah. I think that... I mean, I typically don't like throwing money at people for a repro, but when someone's going to the effort of, like, printing the discard and making it so that you can play it on an official machine, I say go for it. I say um, also pick up Panzer Dragoon Asshole on the uh, Japanese Saturn because it's not that expensive. And it's nice to say you own a copy, an official copy of the game, even though it's kind of unplayable <laughs> unless you know Japanese. Yeah, just learn um, Japanese. For sure, but I mean, Sega needs to get on it. Sega needs to release a uh, a playable version that's on modern hardware, and maybe we'll get to it. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do a remake. I know there are fans out there. I, I remember we were being hit up for promotion of this mystery project, and it turned out to just be like a bunch of fans saying we're going to start making a remake. And it's like, well, you didn't make it yet, you know? Come back to us when you're done, because right now someone's trying to remake Sonic O Six. And yeah. That's not even finished.
1: Uh, and they actually <laughs> had a playable demo of Sonic 06, you know? Right. Yeah. So, my closing statements for Dragoon Saga is, it's a good game. The, is the hype real? Yeah. I would say the hype is pretty real. Uh, but, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to always say, oh, the hype is real, right? This is a unique JRPG. It's worth playing, especially if you're like a rail fan shooter. To see mm-hmm. them turn a rail shooter into a JRPG is very cool. Um, any closing yeah. thoughts you want to say on Panzer Dragoon Saga?
0: Um, I would echo what you said. The hype is real. Um, but I don't think it warrants dropping $1,000. There are easier ways to play this. Um, I know if you're a... Col- Honestly, like, if you're a, a big fan of Panzer Dragoon or and a, a collector, you probably have it by now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't, then you're probably not actually as big a fan as you think you are. Or you're like 18. No offense. <laughs> like you, or you're like, or like young. Yeah, like don't don't waste your money. Don't waste a thousand dollars on this, guys. Like there's better things to put your money towards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cause you it's know, two PS5. Do you you do you? I can't tell you how to spend your money, but I can tell you not to spend a thousand dollars on this game. If you come
1: from a family of wealth and $1,000 is like a drop in the bucket, oh, go for it. I would—I mean, I'm not hesitant, but right. normal people like no, us. No, no, no. Because you're feeding into the price.
0: I have a better idea. If you come from a family of wealth, you can hit us up on Patreon <laughs> and support us. Not at the highest tier, but at like a, a tier you made up and you're like sending us $1,000 a, million dollars a, a month. month. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but even if you're sending us a dollar a month, you get your memories read out loud out of my mouth at the end of each show. Um, So should I dive right in and read these memories? All right, and then after, I will uh, announce what I will be covering. I decided it as we were recording um, for the next episode. So here we go. First off, Hams. (laughs) Hams says, before this game, I had never played Panzer Dragoon game before. I had seen a trailer of Panzer Dragoon Saga on a demo CD, which piqued my interest, and then I saw it at the local game shop for basically nothing, equivalent of five bucks. I bought it on a whim. Holy crap. Smart. It turned out to be one of my favorite games of all time. I loved the melon- melancholic feel, the music, it looked great. I was captivated from start to finish. I got a, oh man, I don't know what, sat- satiator? And m for the first time, oh, an emulator? And for the first time, I'm playing the other Panzer Dragoon games on the Saturn. It must be a misspelling on their part. Um, I have completed the first game so far, a much harder game than I anticipated. But I can't wait to get Saga again. Um, get to Saga again. It's been ages since I last experienced it. Ooh, ages. Sega,
1: so, Sadiator is a, uh, the disk drive emulator that they just remember when they oh. that they learned how to hack it. That's what it's called. Just wanted
0: to... I see. Yeah. I thought it was like a satyr, like a devil. You know, <laughs>
1: it kind of sounds like it.
0: <laughs> I made a deal with Satan to let me play a thousand dollar game for free. Um, Longtime uh, commenter Daniel Andress. It would not be an episode without his words. Ooh, man, Panzer Dragoon Saga. What an amazing, massive game this is. I think I first heard about Slash Discovered, this game, from you guys, actually. At least from your YouTube channel. It was AJ Rosa's Panzer Dragoon Retrospective Series video reviews that got me into these games. Watching those videos was like watching a mini-trilogy epic. There was just something really special about his videos. I believe that was back in 2016. Ever since then, I was hooked. And had to get my hands on some copies. Well, I did, but only for the Japanese versions. Which there's no shame in that. They were much more affordable and it had even better box art for their packaging. Not only that, I'm able to play these games in English, anyways, thanks to CD burning. Whoop. I finished Panzer Dragoon One a few years ago, and I'm still playing through its remake. I also finished Panzer Dragoon Two, so I a couple years back, and now I'm on disc two of Saga. What a beautiful, gorgeous beautiful game this is it has so much love so much effort put into it and every single time i play it i feel like i'm playing a magnificent piece of art come to life on my screen and i'm telling you it's rare when any other game gives me a feeling like that i do think it's one of the best J, uh, one of the best rpgs ever made and probably even the best game on the saturn it's probably my favorite game on the system too next to nights i love edge and his dragon and the journey that they go on, and the mystery behind Azul, the bosses are really great, fantastical. And the management, along with the combat system and the areas, in my opinion, seriously, what a great game! I really need to get around to finishing it sometime. Cannot wait to play Orda next. Orda is great. Oof. i
1: love ordo yeah
0: and and that's a good that's a good shout out to aj too aj did videos for our channel uh, sometime back he's doing his own thing now you can check him out mastercast tv also
1: um, check out his other my life with sega videos that he did because it's kind of the same style he does on his channel just on his channel so yeah. Benjamin, he's great i think his videos are incredible yeah. and i miss him i mean we should obviously me too I wanted to have, like, a uh, Sega talk where if one of us is absent to have AJ, like, super mad <laughs> <laughs> in it. <that'd> be <laughs> that would be sweet.
0: That would be sweet. So as for the next episode, um, it, we haven't really discussed it at all. I wanted to do something Wii, so I was looking through a list of Wii games. I think Let's Tap would be a really fun one to do because we could not only discuss Let's Tap, which is kind of a small game... But we could talk about Prope, uh, Yuji Naka leaving Sega, and maybe just touch on what happened since then. Um, what do you think about that?
1: I'm cool with it. I'm I'm, I'm with it. I, I remember covering. do you the have game. some
0: Let's Tap merchandise? Let's Tap artwork. I do. Show.
1: I do. We'll show it on the episode for sure.
0: Nice, nice. Okay. Well, why don't you wrap things up here?
1: Thank you guys for watching this episode of Sega Talk. Check us out on Patreon, and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks to talk about let's tap bye yes